get back into that feeling of there's a human being behind every single application, every email, every person I'm trying to prospect and, and get convert to a candidate or an applicant. There's a human being with thoughts, feelings and emotions and you can change their life. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby. My special guest today is Katrina Collier. Katrina is the author of The Robot Proof Recruiter, a survival guide for recruitment and sourcing professionals. She also hosts her own podcast called The Hiring Partner Perspective. Katrina is on a mission to end the collaboration chaos existing between HR, recruiters, and hiring managers to better recruitment and especially the candidate experience. Her inclusive workshops give companies deep insight and actionable steps that fix the real issues preventing successful talent acquisition. And she's got a unique shared learning mastermind program, which develops the skills of HR and recruiters that they need to partner effectively with the business and with candidates. Katrina is also an ambassador for a charity called Hope for Justice. Katrina, welcome. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, Mark. Fantastic. That's quite a so, mouthful you had to say there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really interesting. So um, before we launch, I, I really want to talk about your book, which I've now read and uh, is fantastic. Hey, we both got our copy to hand. <laughs> we do. It's dreadful and, for people only listening to audio. They see, they miss out all the hand gestures. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. So, But before we dive into that, could you give us some yeah. context like uh, as to, you know, a quick snapshot of your background, how you're coming sure. to this uh, topic and, and you know, why this is important to you? Ooh, that's a very deep question. Um, so my background as far as a recruitment profession goes, uh, I, were, I fell into it, of course, way back in 2003. Um, I was agency for about five and something years. I've been in-house uh, which you won't really see. It's all kind of incorporated into now Katrina Collier Limited. Um, had a few cha company changes over the years. Um, so, yeah, in-house and then I was training. I came out in the 2008-9, you know, the crash of the economy, the explosion of people online, and I thought, why don't I just go and teach this social recruiting malarkey? And that was a bit early. So that's when I went in-house for a bit and then I was training like, from 2012 onwards until Kogan Page actually asked me if I would like to write The Robot Proof Recruiter. Well, actually, they asked me if I'd like to write a book and it became The Robot Proof Recruiter. And then since then, it's been like, okay, finding people. I don't want to teach that anymore. Loads and loads of people are teaching how to do that. There's a ton of free resources. You can find people. That's not the problem. Getting people to reply is the problem. And I'd always focused on that far more than other trainers do. But it was like, okay, now that there's like 4.6 billion people online and all of this noise and all of this data, how can people get the attention and hold the attention of people through the recruitment process? So to me, that's actually you use your human skills. So that's where the masterminds are so great. But the workshops are also really important because our hiring managers are just making life so incredibly difficult for recruiters. So that's sort of how I came at it. Why I'm so interested in, I don't know, the people that get through the recruitment process, like really protecting them. I think that just goes back to my childhood um, and having felt a lot like an underdog through, you know, extensive child abuse. So it's like I've survived that, I've got over that, and I'm like now I can, you know, do some good out there and get everybody else treating people well. So it's it wow. really goes to the core of me. Um, just I just want the humans that go through the recruitment process to be treated right. And it's just it's so much more than what the recruiters do. It's It's more, so... That's how I've got here. It's been a long path, but here I am. 
Wow. <laughs> it sounds like you have a really like deep connection to fundamentally like to wanting to protect people and mm. that has translated into into the work you do now. That's yeah, powerful. Yeah, I, I- I would like to not open recruiting hell on Reddit and see people feeling soul destroyed. I think it was one of the last ones I saw. My soul is crushed because of how they've been treated through the recruitment process. Um, People feeling like they look like um, a-holes, I'll try not to swear, because their references weren't called, like people sitting waiting for the call and they weren't called and things like that. And these Mm. are all things where you've got, the recruiters are doing one thing. The hiring managers are doing another thing. HR is doing another. They're just not talking. They're in silos. And hybrid working will potentially make it worse. If there's a collaboration problem already, it's just going to get worse. So it just it feels like the right time to address that issue. Oh, right. Well, I love what you're saying about um, it's easy to find people, but getting yeah. and holding their attention, getting them to reply is the major hurdle. So I'd love to delve into that um, shortly. But before we get into that specific issue, like what do you see as being the biggest um, challenges or obstacles that are contributing to this lack of collaboration between these siloed parties? So we've got HR over here, we've got Mm. recruiters, then we've got hiring managers. Um, What's the the underlying problem here? So if you're in-house recruiters, Mm-hmm. especially. It's a really new function. And I know that sounds crazy because I was working in in-house recruitment like 10 plus years ago, but it's a new function. You know, Before that, agency recruiters would supply CVs to HR. HR would shuffle them and pass them out to the hiring managers and sit in the middle. Usually it's an obstacle, but you know, we won't say that out loud. Uh, but that's what would happen. But it's evolved. You, know, you ha- now have internal teams. Like I'm training 23 recruiters at Group M, and that's only half the team. You know, they have these big teams of recruiters with sourcing functions and you know, people working with workforce planning and getting involved in employer branding. It's like it's become a function, but it's still really new. So the other humans in the company don't kind of get what, what is this talent acquisition function? What do recruiters really do? And a lot of that is a lot of in-house recruiters have come from agency, so have much more of the I'm here to serve my client attitude instead of the sit up and partner with them, which we need to see more of. Mm. Um, and then I forgot what my second point was. That kind of been important. But it's, it's <laughs> sort of like the, it needs an attitude shift. That's some of it. But I'm not going to put the full blame on the recruiters, though in a way I am. But I think there's a, like a demystification that needs to happen. Hiring managers and HR need to understand what talent acquisition does. But where you get the other weird friction um, is HR almost being in competition with TA. Mm-hmm. So I hear these internal teams, leaders of, and this, again, it doesn't matter if they're bringing in CVs with an agency or not. They end up in this battle with HR, which is really odd because to me it's really simple. One lot are bringing in the people that make the company succeed and the other lot are taking care of the people so that the company succeeds and they should work together. Makes and sense. It's, it's logical. All about personalities and complication and, and, and you know, who sits where. I mean, it, it's like HR hasn't got a seat at the table and TA kind of want one because really what we do is so incredibly important, but we haven't got one either. It's all messy. So I think that's some of it. But I, what I would love to see whether you're working in an agency or working in-house, I would like you to call your hiring manager hiring partner because mm-hmm. it will immediately shift in your head how you think about them, like hence the name of the podcast is Hiring Partner Perspective. 
and then go in sort of sitting up. I'm here to partner you to fill this role. Together we're going to fill this role. I'm managing the process. You're not managing the process. I need this from you. I'm going to deliver this. And then sit with them and show them what you do. Explain what you do. The CVs don't fall down from the sky, so you can't reject 30 of them. Like it's the most candidate-driven market I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen one like this. It's mad. So you've got to get them understanding. This is what we do. This is how we search. Um, this is how we make contact. You know, it'd be, can you help us with that? Maybe the hiring manager needs to make contact and so on. So there's not enough of that demystification and that demanding partnership with two how, like, not humble, humble's not the right word. We go in as, as we're here to serve rather than, no, I'm here to partner you. I'm not, a, I'm not an admin function. I love this, Katrina. So that makes let's, sense. I like I'm yeah, ranting. yeah. Let's talk more <laughs> about this because I'm big I, on this idea of partnership as well yeah. and collaborating with your client, whether they're oh. internal or, or external, to achieve a shared objective. Yeah. And that this is a... Um, equal and mutually respectful um, collaboration. Mm. So, yeah, so it, it sounds like, like that, not. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> that's what we're aiming for. I'm not saying that's yeah, always no, what it's Yeah, oh, like. I'm aiming yeah. right up there. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's, first of all, there's a mindset shift that yeah. the recruiter needs to make. And then secondly, mm-hmm. it sounds like there's a sort of educate and influence piece. Uh, totally. could, could you, first of all, like, how do, how do you, get recruiters to think of themselves really as partners and not as kind of servants, like in that customer service sort of mindset? Big one, hey? <laughs> it is It is a big one. Also because, you know, recruiters sit in the middle between candidates and hiring managers being slapped down all the time. But I think it's like getting back into your power. And, and so by that, I think it's remember what you do. We play with people's lives. Now, Martin Medforth will tell you I changed his entire life. To me, all I did was put an advert out. He applied. I put him over to the client. He got the job. Don't tell him I said that. But to him, he will say, you changed my career. You got me into what I wanted to be doing. And he'll come to me. It's like, I think it's like 17 years ago I did this. And he'll come to me and say that, right? To me, in my moment of I don't feel like I did anything, changed his life. So you think about all the times where you do make an effort and you change someone's life. So get back into that. Get back into that feeling of there's a human being behind every single application, every email, every person I'm trying to prospect and and get convert to a candidate or an applicant. There's a human being with thoughts, feelings and emotions and you can change their life. And yes, you can make it worse as well as good. So some of it's getting into that. And as soon as you get into that energy of how amazing, like get out of your head and into your heart of how amazing it is what we do then immediately you will just be like, stop. Oh, am I allowed to swear on this thing? Stop yeah, messing you, you me around. <laughs> that was not going to be messy. <laughs> it's going to start with a D and end with a G. Um, but like, stop messing me around, Mr. Ms. Hiring Manager. I, you know, I'm here to partner you. And it's, it's you know, we're dealing with humans. We're dealing, we've, we've got to get the best people. And I think especially now, I think it's a brilliant time to, to change that attitude because it is so candidate driven. You've got to pull out the human skills. And I'm so tired of seeing posts that are, I need more tools, I need more tech, I need more data. No, you don't. You need to pull out those human skills and woo people. Woo. <laughs> I like that word. That's Get Mark's one. attention. Hold Mark's attention. Keep it all the way through the process. Okay, awesome. So I think you're right. There, 
if there was ever a time when recruiters could claim their power wow. and be a true partner, this is it because yeah. clients are desperate for talent and maybe they're willing to just listen more, pay more attention and get more involved. Yep. So let's talk and about also, that. I think side. that's the Sorry, other thing. Like, don't, don't, don't let your, in this market, don't let your clients, if you're working age, actually, to be honest, either side, don't let your hiring managers or HR, whoever's giving you that job description, give you a ridiculous job description. You start pushing back from the get-go. Like, I want to have an intake strategy session with the hiring leader. I want to work out what's actually required here. All of this sort of stuff. There are lots and lots and lots of jobs out there at the moment. You can walk away from a client if you're agency side and they're not giving you the time that you need to save them lots and lots of time down the line. Now, they just think you're in it for the money, which you probably are, let's be honest. But by saving that time for them up front, yes, you're going to have more of a chance of filling the role, but you're going to save that hiring leader so much time. So you've got to start pushing back. I'm not, I'm not prepared to accept this job description. I know my marketplace, this is unrealistic. This is a unicorn. There's one of them on the planet. Like, could we have a proper intake? Can I sit down with the hiring leader and spend an hour so I can save them a lot of time? Obviously, it's all about them, not about you. Well, it's all about you. <laughs> That's I Typical love it. And, yeah, no, thank you. That's a nice little script which people can yeah. actually use. So yeah. let's say let's let's go deeper on this because I think it's so sure. important. Um, mm. What else should we be expecting? What other ground rules should we set in order to create this partnership? You know, from a as the recruiter working with whether it's HR, talent acquisition, or, or a hiring manager. Yeah. Um, what else should we expect? So we need that intake strategy session. Yeah, you we need, need time. A realistic. You need, yeah. Yeah. Really, you need to have your time sorted, right? Everyone's complaining that they're too busy, and actually, I do think a lot of people have been overladen with work during this whole pandemic. It's 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 not been great for most people in different ways. So you kind of like I need that upfront time, but that's also the upfront getting under the skin of the job requirement. I talk about it extensively in Chapter 5, um, which I crowdsourced that chapter. Um, oh, cool. Steve Levy, Maisha Cannon and Tanji Pettis are a big part of giving you all that information you need so you go in armed. But it's all about industry knowledge, understanding as much as you can about your competitors and your company or your client. You just go with me. I'm just going to go in-house, but just remember it works both sides. Um, but then it's like, okay, now – do you understand, like here, here are some of our reviews and some of our feedback that we're not doing so well on the candidate experience. So we're in a really tight labour market. I'm going to get the attention of these people. I need you to help me hold it. So you're getting the commitment from the hiring manager. Now, how would you like to be communicated with? They might want a WhatsApp message at 10 p.m., right, and you're sending them an email at 9 a.m. Ask them how they want to be communicated with. And then say, okay, I'm, I'm going to send you CVs on this date. What's realistic for you to come back to me? So you're getting all of these commitments all of the time. And you're saying, and also I need you to give me feedback after interview. This is why. Big thing I'm against is no feedback policies. I just think it's the number one thing that pisses off candidates and stops people working for you. So, again, commitment to that. Oh, I don't feel comfortable giving feedback. Okay, well, how about we get you some training and how to give feedback? But this is all stuff. You get the commitment up front. If you get that commitment, I'm going to save you so much time. So you're talking to HR. I'm going to be able to get you people who are brand ambassadors, who will hit the ground running straight away, who will um, – what, what else do HR want people to do? 
all of that fluffy stuff they love. Sorry, HR's listening. But all that kind of stuff, find out what they want from that person and talk about it. Like, if you give me that time up front, I'll deliver you this. Hiring person, you know, you need to deliver that project. I'll get you those people. But let's not make it harder for you to recruit in the future. So you make it all about them. It's not. It's technically all about you making your life easier, but you talk all in there, like business speak. And I think recruiters sometimes get a bit too much like, oh, stop messing me around. I need that feedback. And they're not explaining why the bigger picture and it is bigger picture you know 4.6 billion people on the internet one they create so much noise that you have to fight through but two they talk like oh my goodness go and look at recruiting hell on reddit and cry like cry don't laugh at it all cry it is depressing yeah no absolutely (laughs) and (laughs) so brilliant i'm loving my soapbox (laughs) yeah this is uh, good stuff so we're um, positioning ourselves as partners uh, yep. and claiming that and then explain to clients from what's in it for them perspective, uh, yep. why it's going to benefit them to work with us in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. Then you mentioned a couple of things. One is um, that we're dealing with human beings and we need to use mm. human skills to woo them. Could you elaborate yep. on that? So... Th- The ones that I do through the mastermind, for example, are things like trust because I don't think enough time is spent building trust and gaining trust. And by that, I mean including your social footprint. Like it's everything because people are deciding immediately. They just pick up the phone. You know, who's Mark Whitby? I don't know who he is. Look him up. You know, (laughs) you make this decision. Do I want to talk to this person? Do I look trustworthy? Do I look like I add value to the industry, to the profession, to everyone around me? So they're sort of building trust. Um, I actually uh, do a module on self-worth because I feel recruiters are really just like we just get deflated all the time. Um, Then it's things like empathy and compassion, being fearless, you know, fearless within not being over the top and like screaming and yelling at your hiring managers, but being a bit fearless to ask the difficult conversations, uh, difficult questions, um, providing clarity and certainty in a pandemic. Yes, it's possible. You need to provide clarity and certainty. So I focus on all of that. What else is in there? I can't remember. There's a whole ton. Um, level two is things like patience as well, <laughs> because we need to have our own patience to deal with people who aren't coming back to us. You know, how can we get people to reply even though we're frustrated um but it's they're all the skills because it's you need to place yourself in the shoes of that the prospect often that you're trying to get to be a candidate or an applicant and and what are they actually feeling about this are you standing out from everybody else you're putting yourself in your their shoes and thinking would I even want to receive this message? And if I did, what would I want to hear and see? And then all the way through the interview, are you really getting under the skin of them as well? It's not just about, you know, the company and what they need. It's, you know, what does this individual need? That's what people want now because they've had since March last year the ability to kind of go, well, actually, I'm just going to go and hang a load of washing out because I'm working from home and it suits me to do that and I'll just work back later in the evening because that suits me. And people got really flexible and really reprioritised. So... I did a poll on LinkedIn recently to find out what fee percentage recruiters charge, and it confirmed what I'd learned from speaking with so many recruiters every day. The majority of recruiters are undervaluing their service and cutting their fees to become more competitive. Listen, if you want to protect your cash flow and build reserves to protect your business against whatever might happen in the future, 
you need to be earning more for each placement, not less. The challenge, of course, is how to increase your fees and still be competitive. iIntro has helped hundreds of recruiters to make small but critical adjustments to the way they pitch and win business so they can win more clients who are also willing to pay higher fees. For example, one of their clients typically earned £5,000 per placement. But just a few weeks after working with iIntro, she won a new piece of business on a retainer, so in other words, she got a deposit, and her fee was an incredible £20,000, four times her average. If you'd like to see how iIntro can help you to grow your recruitment business and increase your average fees, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained and book a free consultation. There's no obligation, and if you mention that you're a listener of the Resilient Recruiter podcast, iIntro have pledged to offer you a 25% discount off any of their services. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained to get started. Katrina, <clears throat> uh, one of the words you mentioned that I want to pick up on is empathy. And I think that is a undercurrent in a lot of what you're saying, because you're talking about seeing things from the other person's perspective, what's important to them, what, you know, what are their challenges and getting under the skin of that. But that is hard, hard, easy to say harder to do sometimes, like... Um, especially when you're stressed, you're in demand, you're overwhelmed. Uh -huh. It's, uh -huh. you know, it's hard to get past what I want, what I need, what I have to accomplish and uh -huh. to flip it so that you're even everything from before sending a, a, a recruiting email out, trying to get inside the head of the recipient and think, is this message going to resonate? Do I, am I likely to respond to this? And so on. Do you have any suggestions for how to be more empathetic because it's yeah. like some people I mean, find it easier than others, right? Yeah. And I, I think the, the issue, you know, going into recruiting messages, the issue is the tools have made it so quick to message. Like I can message Mark in a heartbeat, right? You know, you, you can access so many billions of people in a heartbeat and this is the problem, right? It's too easy. So therefore there's so much of it, you know, like I, I particularly at the moment, uh, the business development people seem to have gone through the roof and the, the rubbish messages I'm getting like, oh, I looked at your profile. Can I help your team? I'm like, what, my dog? There's me and the dog. Like what, it says one person, like, where's this, you know, and I, it's, they've not taken a moment. So they've annoyed me as the recipient, which is making it harder. So remember all the time, I want this person to reply. Right. That's our number one breath. goal is get, yeah. Yeah, breathe. Okay, anytime you are feeling stressed and overwhelmed and you cannot see see any clarity, if you can, go and go out into the garden. I appreciate this is really hard in England at any particular point. Stick your feet on the soil, right? Breathe. Just, you know, whether it's some meditation, some yoga, some mindfulness, go hug a tree. I don't care what you do. Breathe. <laughs> get Get back bring all your back energy back to you. You know, when we talk about empathy, it is all about feeling. And I, I'm wanting you to do that. I'm wanting you to get out of that noisy ego up here that's going, you can't do this, you've got to do this, you've got to send that rah, 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 and stressing you out and just breathing back into the heart. Now, I know it's right out there on the woo-woo scale for many people, <laughs> but I've noticed through the mastermind and also um, like if I'm mentoring, it's always come out of here, come into here. And as soon as you just go, okay, this is why I do this. I could change this person's life. I am going to take a moment because I really, they really do look like a great fit for our company or our client. <sighs> you see how you come down and you calm rather than that voice? 
Um, if you are a female listening to this, uh, Tara Moore, which is M-O-H-R, has written an amazing book called Playing Big, which is all about losing the inner critic and finding your inner mentor. Um, I personally think men can read it, but it's aimed at women. Um, I recommend that to so many people and they all come back to me. And it was recommended to me by Julie Hall, so I cannot take credit. And they all come back to me and go, wow, like, wow. It's it's very good at just getting us back in touch. And and then the empathy and the compassion, most importantly, the compassion, because we can all feel what someone else is doing. So can sociopaths. <laughs> but what you want is the compassion. You want to have the best for that person as well. So it's that. Fantastic. It's, it's a shift in energy. It's, yeah. I've I, like only, I only started meditating last year. I can't think if it was pre-pandemic or not. And I don't miss it. I don't necessarily meditate every day. But my gosh, it helps. Just the breathing, just stopping and breathing and just coming back into your core and like really focusing on what lights you up. That's well. so interesting. I, I am the exact same. I started maybe, I want to say two years ago, um, but it's helped, it helped me so much during the pandemic when everyone, including me, were like super stressed. And mm. um, I feel like I did, it did, I did have more in resilience and more... Um, focus and clarity as a result, um, for sure. Because it gives you that – I always give this other one as well, which is kind of similar because, I mean, I'm sort of saying, like, get back into what do you really want? How can you really serve these people and really help these people? But I also have this big thing that, to me, there's like a sit-up, like, buzz energy and a a slouch energy. So if you're talking to a potential client or a hiring manager and they're making you feel like, this is really impossible. I'm just disappearing down into my seat and this feels really heavy. The answer is no. Just trust me when I say, say no. Do the things Out loud? That make you Do, or up. you mean? It could be. It could actually mm-hmm. be no hiring manager. You're being unrealistic here. And this is why here's my experience. This is what I know about the marketplace. This is what the competition are doing. You know, hey, when did you last go through a, a recruitment experience? Can we walk you through one? <laughs> you know, give you some idea what it's like out there. That will help you start sitting up. But it's, I always say yes to things that make me sit up. So if you're talking to me about a job and I'm like, oh, wow, I know exactly the person or I know I can fill this role, this is realistic, this client's amazing, that's who you say yes to. The others, you need to put boundaries <laughs> boundaries in place. For anyone watching the video, he was dressed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's in his cycling guitar. He's just heading out the door. Um, so I just decided, you know what, everyone's working from home and people walk past. If it was in the office, people walk past. Exactly. I think everyone's um, chilled about that. Yeah. But that, that sit up or slouch mm. energy can really dictate, you know, we're energetic beings and you will get more of the good stuff if you just trust that I, I, this is how I'd like to be treated. This is, we play with people's lives. This is what it feels like. Awesome. So let's dive into getting people to reply and getting yeah. attention because, <clears throat> you know, this is the biggest challenge that I'm hearing from recruiters right now is mm-hmm. um, like, Mark, my response rate has plummeted in the last, yep. you know, three months. Um, I, you know, and, and these are people who are experienced, like they've been recruiting yeah. for a decade or more. And normally they're good at, like, they feel like I'm good at this. I know what I'm doing. But mm-hmm. right now, what they, what used to work for them is not as effective. And they're having to like really rethink how yeah. they're, you know, approaching and engaging with the talent. Um, mm. What advice would you give people on on that topic? 
Yeah, uh, my, my very first one will be leave LinkedIn. Um, and the reason <laughs> I say that is I have a client currently, her response rate has hit 13%. So LinkedIn have blocked her in mails for two weeks. Yeah, She's I've a heard that. Paying client. If I did that to my paying clients, they'd tell me to F right off. So I don't know why everyone accepts this from LinkedIn. So um, firstly, get into people's inboxes, okay? Downgrade to a free account and get into people's inboxes. Is <laughs> my please, you know, like what on earth? Um, also, get off LinkedIn. Like there are 700 million profiles. There's 2.4 billion on Facebook. There's 1 billion on Instagram. You know, there's a billion on Twitter. There's like there's 100 other places, all of the small social networks. Are you actually looking for people where people are? or are you just sending them emails? People are not logging in. Recruiters, entrepreneurs, salespeople, marketers. That's probably it. Oh, and my brother. Apparently my brother. That's the only place. It's really random. Don't ask. Um, <laughs> they're the only ones that log in. Okay, so if you're not recruiting in that space, you know, it's, it's like why are you messaging people there? They're probably not going to see your response. So that's part of it. Part of it is stop being so immediate. Okay, Mark is not looking for a job right now, so his answer is no. <laughs> what about Mark? I know it's a pandemic, there's so much uncertainty. In your ideal world, where would you go next? Start asking questions that are more about the future and less about the immediacy of that role. You know, we often look for people like you, you know, your background here especially, make it so they know you've looked at them. What are your plans? If you had a dream job, where what would it be? Ask several questions and, and, and make it enticing for them to want to talk to you. Hey, I appreciate you might want to work now or move now. I probably wouldn't either. What's next? But then the thing I see, the biggest thing I see, and this is chapter two, um, and again, I donated my royalties from my book to Hope for Justice Charity. So every time I plug the book, I'd appreciate it. You bought five. Um, <laughs> so, amazing. Because this we'll charity is amazing. Yeah. But chapter two is all about how are you presenting yourself online? Like I mentioned earlier, Mark sends me a message. I look him up. I don't want to talk to him. So how are you presenting yourself? Now, there were so many recruiters out of work last year and still I didn't see profiles get updated. Still, I didn't see useful posts. Still, I see, oh my goodness, people ending up in the newspaper for their completely stupid ideas going out on LinkedIn. So, you know, be aware of how you look to someone. Have you got recommendations from people you've hired? Now, I've no idea if people actually read them or not, but it's not for us to decide. Put some there. Who did you hire recently who had a great experience with you? Who did you handhold through the process? Ask them for a recommendation. Fill out your profile properly so people understand what are the benefits of working with you to come through the recruitment process. It's an incredibly stressful process. So how can you help that? Those sorts of things. Stand out from everyone else. Don't be vanilla. And no photos next to corporate logos. That's just a personal. I hate that. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> let me break this down a little bit, Katrina. First of all, um, as a back, as a as a sort of um, step one, I would say yeah. you've talked about consider your own profile, your personal brand, and yeah, totally. are you? Um, if Worthy people check you out, time. what will they see? Will mm. they see someone who is credible, who has expertise, yeah. who adds value, yeah. who is um, you know demonstrating that they're trying to help and that they're sharing useful insights and that sort of yeah. thing. See, and a, I a hope ten, a ten-year veteran probably wouldn't think to fill out their profile. It probably just says, "I've been working at this company for five years, top biller, right?" Who cares? 
you know, you billing really high only has, suits you. It doesn't all being recruited. It doesn't suit the candidate. They just think, oh, another recruiter just wanting my money, right? So you've got to think about it how they think about it. But also for, for you who are listening, who are like novices, you're brand new, you've got like one year's experience, talk about your recruitment experience. You know, not that long ago, I was starting into this industry and I went through that. So I don't want that for my candidates or I do want that for my candidates if it was a good experience. And and talk about it. Like I, I, I love to put myself in the position of my candidates. So I, I really get under the skin of what they're going through. I know it's stressful. It was recent for me. I don't want you to feel that way. That sort of a thing. And then talk about like, oh, I'm, I'm always uh, asking candidates more so I understand the industry, you know, so that my clients know when they come to me that I understand what I'm doing and stuff like that. You put all of that stuff. You can have a personality, you know, it does your LinkedIn profile does not have to be so corporate vanilla that nobody wants to talk to you. (laughs) You can absolutely agree. Yeah, no, no. Uh, And you said a couple of times, Katrina, that if I check out Mark, do I want to look at him? I, or do I want to talk to him? I hope that, I don't know. um, Let me pull up your profile. You do. (laughs) I hope that you do. I've I've put a lot of effort into that. I, I want to give uh, a real example of what you've what you've just shared. Um, one of our now I would say there's a perfect uh, LinkedIn um, profile, but it ha- it is considered. And so this is a client of uh, of mine who's gone through our um, inner circle and Billings Accelerator yeah. program. And um, so his profile. This is Wayne uh, Daly D L D A L E Y. So um, I have spent 23 yeah, years in the information lie. technology he industry. Uh, no, he's uh, LaunchGig. So anyway, he says, I started LaunchGig, a recruitment and consulting business, because the service I received from recruiters and headhunters during my career was not only poor and disappointing, but lacked mutual respect, individualized care, and constructive follow-up. I had bad experiences as both a hiring manager and a job candidate. I've been on both sides of the desk. I know your issues, difficulties, and challenges, uh, et cetera. So he talks about how he's worked in cybersecurity himself yeah. and how he felt like there were, you know, he didn't get what he was looking for, either as a hiring manager or as a candidate. Mm-hmm. And when he changed that profile, he actually got inbound leads. Yeah. Like just from that, he got inbound leads from candidates, from clients yeah. wanting to work with them. It was, and he was blown yeah. away. Like he, he didn't expect... What, that subtle thing to have such a, a big impact. Oh my God, I can speak to this man. He'll understand me, right? Tech professionals are really frustrated at the fact we don't understand them. We're never going to understand them. I mean, unless you like learn coding or something, you're never going to understand them. We cannot possibly. But let's stop trying to pretend that we can. <laughs> we can learn bit by bit. We can learn the obvious and know the difference between Java and JavaScript and stuff like that. But we're never going to understand really. And this is where the in-house teams have an advantage as well because they can get their technical professionals to get in contact with people. So this gentleman, Wayne, stands out, and I'm looking at his profile because it does say that immediately. I understand you. I can talk to you. You will be heard. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get you. And that's, that's what people are wanting. And so I get quite frustrated when I'm talking to people who don't understand the recruitment profession. I'm like, oh, how do I explain what I do? It's so weird. <laughs> You know, and it's like, I can't be bothered. And it's like, for us, we really get it. I can just say, I just want people to be treated better. And you're like, oh, yeah, I got it. Yeah. You know, whereas cool. to outside, I've got to through this whole rigmarole, even though everyone's been through the job process at some point. So whereas this gentleman's kind of going, I, I, get, I get you. And, and he's, got, he's got an advantage because he's sat in their shoes. But if you haven't, 
you could almost be honest and say, I know I'm another tech recruiter who doesn't understand what you do, but I do know how to listen and I do know how to at least understand if you're saying to me, this is the kind of role I'm looking for, I understand whether I've got that for you or not. You can give that kind of exactly empathy and compassion. So, Katrina, I don't, I, uh, I'm not necessarily saying that you have to have come from the industry you recruit in. No, I think the point you're making is you need to think about your profile from the point of view of the candidate and the client yeah. and um, show that you add value, that you, you mm-hmm. understand your industry even. Like one thing that all recruiters, even if you've only been doing it for a year, mm-hmm. you've spoken to many, many, many candidates, more than yeah. the client will have themselves, right? Yeah. And so you have a unique insight and vantage point to bring to the conversation hmm. as to what candidates care about, like what are they looking for, what you know, what's going on in the market. That even with a year's experience, you have more to to bring to Intel. that relationship yeah. than the client does. So and and you could have questions to ask, like you know, you could think, okay, right, every single uh, network engineer I used to recruit those way back in the day. Um, I, I, I'm talking to, I'm going to be like, so can you explain to me what a CCIE is? Or can you just, what does this mean? You know, if you feel like you've built that rapport, you can even go, hey, I've got a cheeky question. What does this actually mean? You know, I, I just, you know, I come up against it all the time. And sometimes that that act of being a little bit vulnerable, a little bit humble, I love. But then the other one is having that, you know, how they don't trust how you're finding the marketplace because they think you just want to know where they're interviewing to get leads from them. So there's this problem that happens with that. Um, but maybe saying, have you ever seen a market like it? This is mad, isn't it? Might open them up to, yes, I'm receiving yeah, X number of calls per day. Um, if you feel like you even had rapport, you could even say, like, what annoys you the most about recruiters' approaches? Because if they let you know something, that's great for you. Because totally. they go, oh, they make it all about them. They don't look at my profiles. They give, don't give feedback. They waste people's time, rah, rah, rah. And you can go, oh, well, I'm not going to do that. Right, and you can immediately stand out from everyone else because you you just hear it properly. So I'd, I'd have I'd write down so, a few questions and challenge yourself. I mean, it's the things. Um, uh, gosh, I had uh, in the fearlessness module. So this you, they get challenges. So we come together for an hour and then I set challenges every week. And it was I want you to ask a hiring manager a question that you've been too scared to ask. And and one was uh, about one of the requirements. And she said, why do you need this bachelor's? And he sat back and went, well, I don't have it. So why do I need that? Oh, I don't need it. She's been looking for this unicorn. <laughs> um, and then the other one was, you know, they, they were not hearing her saying that the market is so candidate driven. So she asked him, how have you been? How have you and your team been looking for people? And he just stopped in his tracks and realised, well, actually, we haven't been helping you at all. And if the market is really like that, we should be. And it was sort of like asking a bit of a scary question. Hmm. And it, initially it can seem scary, but then it can feel really empowering when you're like, well, actually, they're just a human being mm-hmm. and I'm here to help them fill a role. So that's, and suddenly you'll feel like, yeah, I can do this. I can ask anybody anything. Fantastic. What's the worst they're going to say? I mean, truly, what is the worst they're going to say? <laughs> Go away. So, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> hey, here's a quick question for my listeners today. Did you catch my interview with Joel Slenning, where he talked about how he scaled his recruiting and staffing firm to $16 million before selling it? 
It's episode number 53, and if you've not already heard it, I recommend you check it out. The reason I bring it up is that I'm teaming up with Joel to create a mastermind group, especially for owners of seven-figure recruiting, staffing, and search firms who want to scale their business to eight figures. If that describes you, then listen closely because we're offering a free taster session on September 28th, and you're invited to come along. To register, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash scale. Again, this is exclusively for owners of fast-growing recruitment companies who are already doing a million dollars in net fee income and want to build a business that generates cash flow without you working in the business so that you could sell it someday if you wanted to. Register now at recruitmentcoach.com forward slash scale. Katrina, um, so coming back to the getting the response, one, we've talked about, you know, are you genuinely adding value and are you showing that? in your public, you know, I, uh, I think I call it so look like you'd call Sec- it personal branding, wouldn't you? I call yeah. it look like a recruiter worth talking to. Good. I like that. Look like <laughs> well, yeah, a recruiter show worth, you're a recruiter talking, worth to. talking to. Yeah. Because to me, it's like, uh, it sounds less of a chore. Personal yeah. brand can sound like, Oh, it's something I have to do. Actually, no, right. just be yourself, uh, but yeah. add value. Yeah. Excellent. And obviously well get said. on Mark's course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the second thing you said is like, Get off LinkedIn. It's yeah. really interesting. Um, I was run, uh, I'm running a course right now called Candidate Conveyor Belt, and yeah, um, that sounds awesome. We um, I did <laughs> a little survey. We we were just brainstorming, and the it sounded good. Conveyor belting out the other way at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Um, so uh, I, love it. I did yeah. a survey. I was you know, presenting the Zoom call, and I did a survey of like where what's the first place you look for candidates and like n- exactly you could predict that one without knowing like 90 if i it was 100 percent said linkedin yeah. and it's like by default we immediately go to linkedin yeah um the problem is that's where all all, every, all the other recruiters are looking as well that's where yeah. candidates are getting bombarded and yeah. um we need to leverage more channels now you mentioned email what yeah. else have you seen effective in terms of just reaching out and making that initial connection and, and, you know, contact? Call people. Okay, please don't do this. I read this post this morning on Facebook and it was like, oh, my God, really? Do not ring into a company and ask for the person because you may get the boss, which is what happened, okay? Be a bit careful using an actual switchboard if they still have one. This got this person in a huge amount of trouble because they just stuck their feelers out to see what's going on out there. And, yeah, now their boss knows they're looking for a job, which is just dreadful. So please be careful. However, ringing people, you know, on on their mobile is is great. If you can find their number, um, do that. Uh, send a text message or a WhatsApp message. You know, it, it just could be that you're using the wrong approach. Um you could send a Twitter direct message, but be aware because they go into subfolders. But, you know, a lot of it is I think you need to get some really good sourcing training. If you don't know how to go and find people other than using a LinkedIn recruiter license or your database or, or CV sites, get some training. There are incredible people out there who are doing sourcing training. Um, you can get free advice from things like SourceCon, um, which has got a great blog. As a community, but then it's people like Vanessa Rath in South Africa. Um, oh gosh, there's so many. Sophia Brobeyer, Bro- I never say her name correctly. Uh, Guillaume, there, there's so many people that are teaching sourcing here in Europe. 
go and learn to find people and find their contact details so you can get directly to them. So the guy we had uh, as a guest speaker on our course is Mark Lundgren. Do you know him? Oh, Mark Lundgren, yes. I do yeah. know him incredibly well. Mark, oh, I've forgotten he was doing training. He's so, been so busy delivering work. He's a master sourcer. So he does amazing training as well. Brilliant. Yes. Sorry, Mark. So absolutely. You're not listening to this podcast. <laughs> no, that's cool. No, we, we gave him <laughs> no, a he's mention. My mate. I can't believe I forgot him. Dreadful. They all are. They all are. But there, there are lots. And there are, it's, yeah. And it's it's really interesting. I mean, it's probably interesting to learn from several of them as well. Actually, Mark yes. and Sophia used to do a course together, so it's dreadful I missed him. <laughs> no worries. I'm sure he'll uh, he'll forgive you. He's um Maybe. yeah. He, it was an awesome. Like he gave us he sort of exploded people's brains with the amount yes. of information on on sourcing candidates without LinkedIn was the topic. But um, totally, you, you just, yeah. You don't have to use LinkedIn. You can start at LinkedIn, but you can get off LinkedIn. I've been paying them the grand total of 18 quid a month for about, I don't know, 12 years, 20 years. It's probably Excellent. even longer. I, I don't pay for one of those licenses. I can still find as many people. So it's just, I choose not to because it's not what I do now, but it's, you don't have to be, but it's like you're saying, you are then competing with everybody, right? Exactly. On the one platform, sending in mails that people don't open, then losing your ability to send the in mails. Yeah. Um, it, it, <laughs> you know, um, what, another little tip that w uh, one of our clients was getting really poor response rate to his mm -hmm. connection messages, yep. and um, he was getting like sub 15% or something. And I said, listen, and he sent me the message, and he was pitching a job in the connection request. I said, don't do mm -hmm. that. Like, mm -hmm. that's like walking up to someone at a networking event and yeah. like immediately pitching them. Yeah. And uh, and they're like, like I'm not looking for a job right now, so ignore. Exactly. And he just changed it up to be himself and make a more sincere um, mm -hmm. introductions to, like, say, this is what I do. I'm attracted to what you do, and I thought we might, you know, add value to each other at some stage in the future. It was along those lines. Yeah. And uh, he put his personality into it. He's a, quite a character. Um and is now his his connection acceptance is like sixty percent or something. It like yeah. quadrupled. Be um, human. So be human. yeah, be human. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's exactly. It's the That's same as um, a lot of people uh, love to tag people in posts. So they're like, oh, I want to raise the visibility of this post, so they tag me. That is like walking up and shoving a piece of paper in my face. You know, I don't want to read your post if, unless it's like I'm sharing Mark's podcast with you on it. Like, yeah, tag away. But it, it's it's that same kind of take it to real life. You know, one of the, um, the it's from Recruiting Hell, comments or posts that I use often when I'm talking about hiring managers, just not getting it, is um, these hiring managers conducted an interview with their camera off, but the candidate or the, the interviewee had to have his on. And it'd be like Ooh. talking to someone with a paper bag over their head. You know, like it's, so it's sometimes do you take it to real life? How, how does this seem in real life? Actually, in the book, don't I? I talk about that brilliant YouTube video, Social Media in Real Life, um, with the comedian yeah. who goes around. Hilarious. Just so awesome. We now connect on Instagram and chat every so often because uh, somebody in Spain told her randomly. Yeah. So it was, um, but that gives you this idea of you just wouldn't do in person what we think we can do on social media. It's, it's human connection. It doesn't change just because we're using. You know, this, in our case, we're sitting here on video and audio. It's still connection. Absolutely. So 
you've mentioned obviously text, WhatsApp, give them a call, um, send them send an email. Them cupcakes. What, what would, <laughs> would you really do that? Oh, back in the day, this is the sort yeah. of stuff that used to go down. Have a chat cool. with, I'm sure Matt Buckland used to do some seriously cool stuff or has had it done to him. Yeah. Um, he, he'll tell you, God, pizzas used to get delivered, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> back I, back when uh, we had budget. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, a, it's really interesting, like sending people something yeah. in physical um, – I read a really good book called, if I, I'll, I'll need to look at the exact title in the show notes, mm. but it was something like how to get an appointment with anyone. It's along those lines. Yeah. And a lot of it is about sending highly personalized things yes. in the mail. Yeah. Like, oh, I see online this person's interested in this. So I'm going to send them a cartoon or a, uh, a, you know, a book or something uh, yeah. to start the conversation. Um, it's the same in the pre-boarding period. So there's a lot mm -hmm. of people dropping out at the process at the moment. Now, one of the things to think about is your mm -hmm. candidate says yes, yeah. but they haven't really said yes because now uh, they don't need to leave and fake a dental appointment to go to an interview. No, they just block out an hour in their calendar and have an interview, right? So you're losing people. But I talk about Ellie Brown in the book and the CEO of the company that she ended up working at sent her a book, a signed book. Oh, we talked about this and she was hooked. I mean, she fell for a hook, line and sinker. Wow. He listened to me. We talked about a book. He not only bought it, he signed it. Well, probably his PA did, but he signed it and put it in the post to her. She, like it's stuff like that, exactly what you're saying. Um, you make it personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great stuff. But, uh, I want to I double-click on that. First, though, do you have any guidelines for what should be the structure of a good recruiting email? someone you've never spoken to before, reaching out to try and start a conversation. Short, snappy, what are you doing next? But it's all about them. Like what yeah. is in it for them? Okay, you yeah. you know it. You open it up and you're like, right? Look at the emails that you react like that to. You open them and you're just like, I don't want to read this. I don't care. I don't, who are you? Go away. You just polluted my inbox. Like block, you know, they they, they talk about themselves. They they make assumptions that aren't true. So I was mentioning earlier, I'm getting so many sales emails. Oh, I've been trying to connect with you. No, you haven't because I'm really easy to connect with. Like my phone is literally in front of me. My phone number's on my website. So stop lying for starters. And then it's like, oh, I want to help your team do blah. Yeah, okay. My dog is currently asleep at my feet. Like, what? So do you get it? It's not about me. Whereas if it started like, oh, your experience here got my attention. Now I see you've been working for yourself for 12 years, but what do you, would you do if there was an ideal job out there? You know, and I'd be like, oh, they actually did that. You know, sometimes I get pitch jobs. I'm like, really? I've been working for myself for 12 years. Are you kidding? So it's, but you could acknowledge it and say X, Y, Z. But it's the, all about that person opens it, they get to the point straight away, and it's all about them. It's not about you. And your job. Um, and that subject line, I'm the worst at writing them, so don't ask me for that. But the subject line apparently is very, very important. <laughs> <laughs> that I was going to ask you, actually, because <laughs> it's a tough, it's tough. Like, I no. feel like exciting opportunity or the job oh, title, job. that's not, that's fuck? not going to, that's not going to work, right? So. Um, and, and it's not urgent to you. And actually, I haven't, I haven't pulled this out in a presentation for ages. I actually stole it from Glenn Cathy, another brilliant sourcing person. Oh, yes. Um, he, he had a, in, a, a photograph of an inbox and this was from like 10 years ago. Uh, and it was just 
urgent job opportunity. Uh, you know, PHP developer needed now, but they don't care. They don't care. It's not urgent to them. None of it's urgent to them. They're sitting in a job or a contract. They don't care. So you got to think okay, that's, what's in it for them. Right. And in fact, I like to say everyone's favorite radio station is WIIFM, which is what is yeah, in it for totally. me. What's in it for me? That's what yeah. they're, we're all tuned into that and you need to broadcast yeah. on that frequency. Yeah. Um, and so if you read your email and mm -hmm. you ask yourself the question, who cares? So you like mm -hmm. whatever statement you've made in the email and then say, you know, if you can say, well, who cares to that statement, then you need to yeah. rework that God. from the candidate's point start, of view. Start with the ones that you're getting in that make you feel like that. And that will help you on your way. Wow. I don't ever want to send ones like that. What was it about that specific? Get curious. Curiosity Great. is in the mastermind. I think it's the most important underrated skills that recruiters huh. have because we got lazy. Because all of the information's yeah. in front of it. We're not curious enough. We're just like, quick win. Oh, I'll just send 100 emails. Yeah, how about you send five and get a response um, by being curious sure. and digging in. Uh, but Excellent. get curious about yourself and your own reactions and, and how you feel about stuff. And you know, mm. do I really want to talk to you? Um, mm. Those sorts of things. If I got this message, Beautiful. would I respond? So one of the, uh, I'm going to give my, uh, a little plug for my coaching group, and then we can give one for yours as well. Mm -hmm. One of the things we do is people share their templates that are working mm -hmm. as, ex as inspiration. What we say is don't sure. copy someone else's template. That's not going to work because it has to be specific to your market and your personality and your brand. Totally. And also more most importantly, specific to the candidate that you're reaching out to. Yeah. But to give a framework or an idea of how to approach it and subject lines and all that. And people share, like, here is the open rate, here is the response rate, yeah. and so on. Brilliant. And it gives you a starting point so you're not, you know, working from a blank slate. So yeah. um, you mentioned to me, Katrina, that one of the good things to come out of the pandemic for you was mm. you've kind of re-engineered uh, what you're doing, what you're offering, yeah. and you've created this mastermind group. Could you just briefly yeah. explain what that is? Uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it sort of I had to happen because obviously I lost every last bit of income in March last year. That was educational. Yeah, um, <laughs> me too. I know. It was like, Funny that. <laughs> Way to go. Um, yeah. And then they did very little help for one person companies, didn't they? So that was fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there was yeah, nothing. I, yeah, so. I love watching all of the freelancers getting furloughed and me sitting here going, really? Anyway, uh, so the mastermind came from the book and, and the idea is it's different to yours. Yours sounds a lot more like training, coaching. This is a lot more about like conversation and exchanging. And I spend a lot of time, won't surprise you, getting people to feel stuff. So um, I've now actually made it a six month program because I feel like it the impact is so huge, but people need it a bit faster because this market is insane. I, I keep saying I've never seen one like it. Um, but we, yeah, we come together once a month and we talk about particular human skills. And then I set challenges that make them really look at that differently. And some of it can be like, we start with trust is like, I get them to really feel deep into the last time they weren't trusted and what that felt like. And it's like this real reminder of, wow, I don't want someone to feel that about me. I want them to trust me. So it's almost like remembering, you know, we've got these skills. We know we've got them. But text made us lazy. Text made a shortcut. You know, I personally think it is harder to communicate now than it was 20 years ago. Interesting. Because it's noisy and it's interruption yeah. and it's, you know, quick text and, oh, God, I should just turn my phone over. There's like 15 messages. Um, you know, it's like, oh, God, now I've got to deal with that. And it's like it can just feel harder, whereas it used to be easier. 
so it, but it's like bring back the human stuff then that will get easier so i do that i, that. I think the workshops are also super exciting mm-hmm. um which bring in the design thinking from the tech world um and i really am getting those hiring managers to really grasp their role and how they need to collaborate with us um and it's all getting them to come up with the ideas i just guide them through this incredible process um and it's like i'm doing it with well it's shortly fingers crossed, doing it with a company who are currently struggling to hire 70 care workers. They're just one company. But everything is wrong. Everything's a mess. Everything they're going about it is just not providing any clarity to the job seekers, so they're just dropping out. So it's like, well, we can fix this. It's just getting them to see how they're not collaborating, how they've, all their processes just need to be streamlined to make it easier, just create ease. So they, like I feel like re- you need both. <laughs> <laughs> recruiters just well, sit up and partner and demand it and that's what i'm doing with the mastermind and the other side is let's just clear the roadblocks and make it possible so katrina <laughs> you're the work you're doing is incredibly <laughs> important and valuable and so thank you. thank you i'm glad that you're in the world and um just briefly you're giving the royalties for your book to hope for justice could you say what that is about <laughs> yes um so I actually received an inheritance which allowed me to stop and write this book. So I thought, well, I don't, I don't need to, you know, pay for myself with the royalties because of that. I felt like I needed to pay the pay it forward. And I have been to Africa twice and worked with the staff and carers of Hope for Justice Charity. Uh, at that point, they were retrack and they got uh, incorporated into Hope for Justice. And their aim is to end modern day slavery, which is impacting around 40.3 million people around the world. Um, there wow. is most definitely slavery here in London. In fact, London is the global hub of people trafficking. I had no idea that A, it's, that was the case, or B, it was yeah. 40 million people. But yeah, over, over. It's, it's, That's the people affected horrific. by it or the people who are... Yeah. actually being enslaved enslaved yes caught in modern oh day slavery gosh. so that can be um yeah i mean it can be sex workers it can be it can be all sorts i mean you're, you're common when you think about perhaps as the car washers and the nail salons but it's way 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 more than that and very very complicated um but the the joy of when i've worked with the charity is we're trying to stop the kids the street kids coming in from out in the farms and they come into the city and into the slums in Kampala thinking that they're going to get an education and they don't, they end up homeless and on the streets and then primed to getting picked up and then trafficked through the likes of the UK um, or worse into the sex trade. Um, so a lot of the, that, that's the work. And because I've seen it firsthand and I've seen how far they stretch the money and I've seen the impact, I, I just had to, I cannot do enough for this charity. Um, in fact, 10% of most of my services, whatever I'm doing ends up with them. I just amazing I, I, they're That's incredible so cool. they're incredible they changed my life the the experience of being there changed me and made me a better human and then the the star i don't have enough words for the staff mind-blowing people so that's why please buy five copies just for you <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> one Katrina, to read so I want to pop up your laptop <laughs> amazing well I've got one but I, I guess I need to buy some more no um, no no it's all good <laughs> yeah no for sure and that but sounds people, like an amazing cause the, the idea of the book is to to get you to put technology where it should be human mm-hmm. first technology supporting that's what the book's all about it's really gritty you will write all over it so you know it, it's a double win one you're helping this charity and two you'll help yourself so fantastic proud Katrina Thank you so much. This was a lot Thank of you. fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, let's keep in touch. And, and I hope your book just keeps flying off the shelf. Thank you very much.
Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.